0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Future of Dogs podcast, a place for the whole dog world to come together and ask the big why and what if questions that will shape the dogs of the future. Join me, Hannah Malloy, as we chat to some of the world's most groundbreaking professionals intent on enriching and evolving the future of dogs. This podcast is in association with Amplified Behaviour, my online video learning library for dog owners and dog geeks. Big thanks to my dog's favourite food and our Season 1 sponsor, Nature's Menu. With over 40 years in the pet food business, Nature's Menu is Europe's leading expert in raw and natural pet food. So, let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Future of Dogs, and this is our final episode of Season 1. And guess what guys, it's just me and you. That's right. I've been brave. I'm stepping into the solo podcast game for this closing episode of the season. And my what if for this week is, what if we can just hang out me and you and we can dream together about what the future of dogs might look like? I figured it was time. This episode is therefore titled the future of the future of dogs, which quite honestly looks like a nightmare written down, but in the world of audio joy, it works just fine. Today we're going to look back, you and me, over the season and we're going to look forward in this episode to wonder at the changing landscape of the UK in terms of dog bites and responsible dog ownership. Unfortunately there's been a huge rise in dog bites in the UK, they've been tripling over the last 20 years and it's something I'm becoming a bit of an expert in quite frankly because we're leading the charge of a parliamentary campaign hashtag dog bite reform but more on that later. Wow. Wow, what a series. We have talked to some amazing experts this series and entered into discussions on the future of dog conversations. We've talked with doctors and dog geeks at the highest level about breeding and grooming, about veterinary care, nutrition, rescue, training and campaigning, and of course, the future of dogs and kids. Every single one of our experts has just been amazing. They've dropped some seriously deep wisdom into our ears from their prospective areas of expertise, wouldn't you say? Hasn't it been mind-blowing? I know I have just had such a blast and learned a huge amount. And I want to know, you know, what was your favorite episode? Have you got an expert sound bite that just shifted something for you? I'd love to know. And you can chat with us, all of us, on Facebook. If you've got a question or you want to write to one of our experts, then you can do that on our Facebook page, which is called The Future of Dogs Podcast. And I'm going to make sure that all of those questions get directed at our amazing experts because I'll tell you one thing that they all have in common, other than doing something groundbreaking in their field, is that they all love community and conversation. It's such a bonus. And I want to know, more importantly, about what you'd love to hear in season two. So far, we have in our prospective season 2 lineup episodes, including the future of dog shows. We're going to take a look at the future of dog sports, dog podcasts, dog lore, the future of family dogs and assistance dogs. And then we'll probably add to some of our listeners' favourite episodes with part three and four of the future of dog training and rescue. So I urge you, throw your ideas our way. Uh, What's your fun choice? for a particular episode. Name your favourite conversation topics that you'd love us to futurise for next season. I thought about dropping you some of my favourite sound bites, So I sat and I listened and in the process of collecting them, I got so deep into the delicious narrative of some of our guests that I had to stop, take a long day off and just go for a walk to process it all. They're all amazing. If you have handpicked just a few topics that you're particularly interested in so far, listeners, and if you've only listened to one or two of your favourite experts, I highly encourage you right now to go back And listen to those episodes that you've missed. And don't worry, I promise not to episode spoil right now for you. But I have to give you my favourite. And I think for me as a behaviourist and a social scientist, you know, I I just love development and I love learning. And I think my top quote was from Dr. Henry Cloud in episode two, way back when the intro sequence and the audio quality was still improving, let's say. We've We've come a long way, haven't we, all together? And in Dr. Cloud's episodes, we were we were looking at the future of dog conversations and he taught us how to approach having difficult conversations, how to actively listen to the person that we're talking to and then put ourselves on the same side of the table as the person so that we can look at the problem on the other side of the table and then solve it together. I just love it. And he said, Every human needs to be on their own growth path to become the most loving, hardworking, intellectually curious person that they can become. And I love it. I just love it. I recently finished a Brené Brown book. Have you ever come across her work? It's amazing. This book is called Rising Strong. And she preaches the need for emotional curiosity too. She says, choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. She quoted Einstein, who said, "'The important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existence.'" And then she follows up with her take, which is that curiosity's reason for existing is not simply to be a tool that's used in acquiring knowledge. It reminds us that we're alive. And researchers are finding that evidence of curiosity is related with creativity, intelligence, improved learning, and memory, and problem-solving. So thank you, Brené. That's amazing. I know that I am going to choose to continue to be curious and ask questions. And now I know that I can be safe in the knowledge that we're all becoming a little bit more creative and intelligent and better at solving problems together. Speaking of solving problems and curiosity, some of you will know from the Future of Dogs and Kids episode that Debbie Luckin and I, along with the now marvellous Nick Crampton of Reactive Dogs UK, have been hosting a series of events in Parliament on the UK's dog bite problem. Hashtag dog bite reform. You can check it out. Check out Twitter, have a little look-see, share it cover it we want you all in on this because this is a rare three-part event series to look at what we need to do right now to reduce the recent increase in dog bites and deaths in the UK now. These meetings are held in person at the Palace of Westminster, which is super fancy, and they're hosted by the All-Party Parliamentary Group for Dog Welfare, otherwise known as Dog, which is the coolest acronym for an APPG ever. And it's chaired by Rosie Dufield, MP, and Mark Abraham, OBE, that guy off of episode 10 and 11, do you remember? He's really good at helping us run, run campaigns. So, anyway... They're free to everyone to attend. You can just rock up to these. You can email in, ask for a guest list seat and and you can come along. But we can't film them. We can't live stream them. And some of you have been asking me about what happened in that November meeting. So I thought I'd close our Future of Dogs season one by sharing my opening speech with you all now because you're going to be part of the solution. I want to formally invite you into this conversation and the culture of these meetings. FYI, the part two of this event is on March the 21st, 2023, and the final event is going to be held in June of 2023. And yes, of course, I'll let you all know what happens. And if you can't make any of those meetings in person, well, just follow me on Amplified Behaviour. Uh, or the Hannah Malloy on Insta and Facebook. And you can jump onto the Future of Dogs Facebook page for updates on that too. So let me set the scene. You have just arrived in the Houses of Parliament to join this meeting. You have tipped your cap to Big Ben and you've marveled at the Palace of Westminster and you're snapping a quick selfie before you join the queue to go through security. They ask you where you're going to go. And then apologize that you're going to have to bin that fresh coffee that you've just bought (laughs) before they set you off through airport-style security and bag checks and metal detector doors. And then you're in. And you're directed corridor by corridor to a fancy-looking meeting room to take your seat and wonder who the other ticket holders you're sitting next to even are. And when that lady who's running around like a headless chicken is going to be finished looking for the right cable to attach to the right laptop in the right place so this meeting can get started. And yes, that lady was me. (laughs) Parliament is not a MacBook-friendly place for future reference, folks. (laughs) But anyway, we found a solution and then the meeting starts. And Mark welcomes everyone and hands the speaking stick over to yours truly. And I said... Thank you all for taking the time to travel and attend this meeting in person this evening and thank you to my co-host Jordan Shelley who is on his way here, bless him, because his car broke down and our app dog chairs, Mark Abraham OBE and our honourable lady, the member for Canterbury, MP Rosie Dufield. I do love the honorific of right honourable, don't you? I realise now it's associated only with those in a senior public office in Parliament, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we could apply that title without a hint of sarcasm across the board to all of our friends and neighbours? Right and honourable. I wonder what we'd need to get there. But let's put a pin in that for now. Welcome to part one of a three-part event series of focusing on the problem of dog bites in the UK. Together, we're going to look at what is fact, what is fiction or supposition, Understand what we know we know, what we know we don't know, and give even more room for what we don't know we don't know. Once we all have a better grasp of the facts that we have to hand by looking at the data, the second and third events will delve more into the crucial why, asking is it the dogs? Is it our human behavior? And we will strategize together on a series of how measures that we can then action to end the tragic deaths that we've seen this year due to dangerous dogs and dramatically reduce the number of dogs that are biting people. I am Hannah Malloy, as many of you Future of Dog fans already know. And when I was 18 months old, I was bitten by a rescue dog. My mum offered to care for briefly... My older brother was doing something life-threatening with a friend of his which took my parents' attention and then they came back in to see this terrier on their baby, her mouth on my face and all of the disgrace that comes with that. So I've got this lovely Ferengi scar on my nose and some mild childhood trauma of being called Scarface by kids in the playground. The dog, well, she lost her life because she bit a baby and some of you would argue that that is bang on, too right, but... That baby grew into a woman who was obsessed with dog behaviour and what I know now is this. She could have killed me, but she didn't. She had no intention of doing so. And don't forget, terriers really can. She was telling me to stop bothering her like the pesky puppy that I was and using her mouth because she doesn't have hands to say, Oi, baby! No! And sadly, the grace that I was shown by this dog isn't everyone's story. And in 2022, You know, we've lost 10 precious human lives as a consequence of -of out-of-control dog aggression. Four lives were lost in 2021 and two in 2020. This is a death toll that none of us need to see rising. And this year marks the beginning of the end of this trend because everything we're about to do together is going to change it. I am one behaviourist of thousands in the UK but I believe we all have a uniquely shaped jigsaw piece that fits into this global picture. And I've come to learn that I've been designed as a change bringer, a reliable optimist, some might say. I have a track record of seeing the things that I'd like to improve in the world improve. I've trained 10,000 dogs in the last 10 years using least intrusive, minimally aversive behavior modification programs, which sounds awfully fancy, doesn't it? But basically, it means I'm going to be as nice as I can to the dog. Uh, and make sure that I can set them up to succeed in learning every step of the way. I then introduced a move for outdoor training classes to be in the heart of public parks with Birmingham City Council. I've been featured on Channel 4's documentary series Puppy School, which won an award for the most inspiring reality TV show in 2019. And I've written a book about dog body language that has been translated into many languages and shipped all around the world. Big thank you to Penguin Random House there. And you know, all of those amazing opportunities came to me as pure favour. I believe, truly undeserved but trusted to me because I persevere on rainy days and I glorify my Father in heaven in all that I do. Every blessing I've had has come from him. So I choose a life of service, as I know many of you do, and I'm willing to do whatever needs doing to let an animal or a human know that they are valuable and they are cared for. Behaviourists, parents and policymakers all work so hard to change the antecedent arrangement or the environment around people and animals so that they don't have to walk through the same painful lessons time and time again that cause a pile of fallout to the community around them. And my goodness me, whether you have a faith landscape or not, you've all chosen to take courage today to step into this complex discussion together, to face some of this trauma and tragedy head-on, and to consider the facts. And that gives me even more hope and even more passion and belief that we really can clean up this complicated mess together once and for all. I want us to understand at the very start of these events what they're intended for, what they're not intended for, and leave us with some thoughts that we can carry through the very honest presentations our esteemed speakers, Dr. Kerry Westgarth, Dr. John Tulloch, and Dr. Andrea Jester have trusted us with today. But first, I want to break tradition, soften the seriousness of this room, and I'm going to ask you to turn to someone next to you you don't know and introduce yourself right now. Make a 60-second friend. The room, folks, at this point explodes into chaotic conversation and how do you do's before we all come back together. The chatter in the room lulls and subsides to a hush once more. Okay, back in the room. The person that is sitting next to you agrees with you. We are a community, which means that we share a common unity, that we all want to stop dog bites and protect humans and dogs from each other. We might not agree with everything the person sitting next to us says. In fact, we might even have designed our sense of identity around being the exact opposite of the truths that our neighbour holds dear, but they're here today. They've done the right and honourable thing as your right honourable friend in this fight. So look around at the faces in this room that are about to change the nation. Those presenting on the panel at each event have been chosen to bring key knowledge that we all need to move forwards, to demonstrate a strategy or to suggest a solution. And I know that we all have a perspective, don't we? So go easy with each other. When these presentations are shared and these perspectives are voiced, it's a highly emotive subject matter. And some of your panel today are frontline workers in the fallout. I've worked with tens of thousands of dogs and I've got my own suspicions as to why we're seeing the rising tide of this kind of trauma. Suspicions that have changed my behaviour and led me to focus on education about dog body language and communication and creating community training spaces that actively counterattack the undercurrent of blame and shame culture that exists in dog training communities that basically lead us all to feel really isolated and punished. My heart cries out for children to have dog behaviour lessons on their national curriculum. I would love to see dog trainers and behaviourists regulated and more science-led professionals using fear-free training techniques in easy-to-access public spaces. I would love to see the UK embrace a day of lament and actually a national minute silence to honour those that we've lost to man's best friend. I would ask that the UK police force release the case notes of victims from the last three years to veterinary forensics expert Jim Crosby across the pond who's offered to consult on these cases pro bono and present his findings to us next year. I would ask for funding to be allocated for more research to regulate and police breeding and review breed standards and I would love the UK to take responsible dog ownership seriously. But then who am I to draw conclusions before we've looked at the facts? We can can't we? And we all do. We all think we know why this is happening, and some of us have reasons for our our educated guesses, but today I sit with you in the audience. I'm on the same side as we look at these experts and examine the facts. These events are an exploration. They're a discussion, a chance to mourn the lives that are lost and comfort and support those whose lives are forever changed by dog bites. We're here to create clear-cut strategies for change. What we're not here to do is find the culprit and sharpen our pitchforks as a revolting mob. And we're not here to stroke egos or throw out blame and shame grenades into an already broken and painful landscape. Far be it from me to predict the outcome of these meetings, but I've got a strong suspicion we will discover that there isn't one person or business or breed of dog or type of person or stupid law, a breeder or a trainer. That is to blame here. It's a much more complicated trauma cake with many ingredients. Again, I could be wrong. Maybe there is one or a small handful of culprits that are here and how we try those people or systems can also have a huge effect on our communities. I heard a true story once of a New York mayor who decided one day to take the seat of judge over a common law case. This was back in the day when that was totally acceptable. And a grandma was brought to trial for stealing bread to feed her grandchildren. The case was clear. The perpetrator was guilty of theft and the mayor heard the case and he agreed. And so he stood up, proclaimed her guilty and then he took the cash from his own wallet to pay her fine to the baker. And then... He walked around the room and he asked everyone in there for 50 cents as a penalty for living in a community that would see a grandma have to steal to feed her grandchildren. And I think this is so apt for this moment in time. You know, we all cry out that justice is done when we see our neighbours failing and we all beg for grace and mercy when that mistake was ours. None of us can possibly hope to bear the cost that is associated with this kind of tragedy emotionally, physically, especially not as individuals and none of us can control the whole world to make sure these situations don't ever happen again yes we can design laws we can design systems and educate and police but we were never granted permission to control the behavior of other human beings but what we can do the solution we can build on right now is the decision to shoulder this boulder together corporately to decide to honour your right honourable neighbour, even if they do nothing to deserve it. You will be amazed how dishing out respect and honour invites others to step into responsibility. And we can all do that little bit that's designed just for us, whether it's training our own dog or forgiving someone that hasn't trained theirs so that you're in a better place to help them with grace and bless your community with the things that you know that they don't. Maybe you're a policymaker or an educator, the voice of public affairs, a trainer, a rescue worker or an academic or someone who admits that they're simply easily distracted by dogs. All of us can do two things. We can choose to give respect and honour to the person that's speaking and we can take responsibility to use our giftings, our positions and our unique spheres of influence to change this narrative forever. There is a lot of work to do, but we can do it. And we must. And on that note, future of dog fans, we leave Parliament and we end this season one episode with the challenge I have thrown down as a consistent gauntlet every episode of this season. I challenge you to dream big dreams. What is the what if question that you've got in your heart that could totally change the world? It might be the world of dogs or it might be another world entirely. Who do you need by your side to expand your horizons. I believe that we need each other. In fact, I believe we were made to. The world is going to tell you to go it alone. It will say, hey, self-soothe, self-satisfy, achieve, gain followers, and then practice mindlessness and pride and hide, and then mask up or isolate yourself in case anyone truly sees the real you. But I think the real you is exactly what the world needs to see. And if the global pandemic has taught us anything... On a worldwide level, it's that we need each other. We need each other to lean on, to laugh with, to dream with. We need each other's skills to build cool stuff and we need to go to war against anything that tries to destroy relationship or the unity that lives in community. Finally, thank you, thank you, thank you to Nature's Menu, our season one sponsor, for their support with this new thought bubble of a podcast. We couldn't have done it without you, so thank you for dreaming with us and believing in our direction. Thank you to all of our outstanding guests and Dog World gurus, Dr. Henry Cloud, Dr. Jessica Heckman, Sue Williamson, Debbie Luckin, Mark Abraham, Dr. Lennon Fu, Melanie Sainsbury, Kelly Gorman-Dunbar, wow, Les Graham and Kamal Fernandez. Guys, your hearts and initiatives are so inspiring and we champion everything each of you are doing. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you, glorious listeners, for jumping in and joining our community. Don't forget... If you are a pet owner or a pet professional that wants to learn more about dog body language or dog training or become accredited in Above and Beyond Grooming or Above and Beyond Vet Care, you can start your learning journey right now with me at www.amplifiedbehavior.com. I even have a three-year qualification for pet shop staff called the Pet Education Scheme because I think everybody needs to know how to train animals of a variety of species. And I've just spent 15 years geeking out over dogs, but I am an animal behaviorist at heart. And biggest thanks of all to Mark Goslit our season one producer, and our audio wizard, who is a top shelf music and audio producer that you can find at www.com mark dot com. always and ever has mark been trying to get the perfect sound quality for all of us inviting me closer to the mic but not too close showing me how to soundproof my home studio and just generally being the most super patient editor and engineer in the world thank you so much mark i have been and will continue to be hannah malloy and this has been season one of the future of docs